All right, so what have we been working on? Fruits of the Spirit. Okay, and can you tell me then? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, hold on, you can't go fast as I can write. Patience. Self-control. Self-control, is that in order? No. It's kindness, kindness, goodness, kindness, goodness, Santa Claus or self-control, whichever. Okay, it's got Calvin. Alright, so these are the fruits of the Spirit, and what do you have to do to, exp to display the fruits of the Spirit? Grow fruit. You have to grow it, okay? And we talked about it. That in order to grow it, you have to do what? There was a word we used with a Y. Yield. 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 <laughs> and yield means? To wait. No. No. I said that. You did say that, and it was wrong last time. <laughs> but you learned, because if you think about a yield sign, it means? Proceed with caution. No, oh, uh, right away. Something. Give, give, give the way. Give way to the other people, right? If you have the yield sign, they don't have to stop, but you do. Right? Yeah. You guys are all very close to driving or driving yeah. at this point in your life. And you should know what a yield sign means, or you should not be allowed to drive, right? You get up there, you roll. Yeah, and, and you are, and if a car comes, you have to? Stop. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Failed right there. <laughs> okay, so you are yielding, you are giving way. And as you're giving way to the fruits of the Spirit, like a tree yields apples or pears or cherries or whatever kind of tree it is, okay, it yields what? It yields fruit. How does it do it? What does it have to what does it have to give up? Energy. Energy. It has to give up its energy. It has to give up the sap that flows from the ground up through it, right? Because it doesn't appear from nothing. That fruit takes sugars and takes water and takes its energy to grow it, okay? It needs that to be able to grow it. Same thing with fruit in Christian life. If you are going to have love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness in there also, um, you need to yield to what God is doing in your life, all right? So we've been working our way down. We talked about love. Love is the overarching uh, fruit of the Spirit. It covers all the fruits of the Spirit. It is the prime fruit of the Spirit. Although all the other ones are good as well, love is a very deep subject. If you were to go to 1 Corinthians 13, you'd see all about love and what it really means, which often is 
having joy and, and creating peace and being kind and being good and gentle and faithful. Okay, all those things express themselves through love. Love expresses through these things. Okay? So, we worked our way up through joy and peace and patience and kindness. So, tonight we are on goodness. Now, I gave you guys some candy, which I love to do, all right? What if one of those pieces was poisoned? I still ate it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you still ate it. <laughs> it spit it out, like, which one, right? What if, what if I had one kind that was poisoned? You know, yeah. What if it was a starburst? What if? Then I guess I'm dying. Okay. So, would you say that it was a good thing to give you candy to begin with, if you didn't know it was poison? Well, no. Okay. No, it was not a good thing to give you candy. You didn't know it was poison, though. But you did. What is poison? So, say it wasn't poison. Is a good thing to give you candy? Sure. Okay, so if I kind of thought the Starburst maybe were a little bit, could have been a problem, was that a kind or good thing? Was that a good thing to give that to you? No. Probably not, right? <laughs> Pretty obvious to everybody, right? If I give you a big basket of candy, hey kids, come on, eat the candy, and one of them, <laughs> and one of them I know is poisoned, right? And I just happen to leave it in the bag. Take it out. Wasn't it still kind to give you the candy? No. Not really. Not really. So it's very clear in your mind it wasn't a kind thing, right? Because we're going to have to think about this a little bit as we go through. And <laughs> it wasn't poisoned, okay? You're not going to die even though you ate 14 Starbursts, okay? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> okay? Maybe the Butterfinger, but not the, not the Starbursts. <laughs> Keep eating them, right? Um, we have the wrong thoughts oftentimes about God, okay? We have the wrong thoughts. And this wrong thought about God began way, way long time ago. As humans, we don't even know what we want or what is good often. All right? Story way back in the beginning. Let's go to Genesis chapter number 3. So how many of you believe that God is good? Because I told you that, or because you just think it? The Bible okay, the Bible says it. What? God is good, right, right, okay. So the Bible does say it, yes. And actually, the word God... It basically is, the word good is derived, okay, from each other. I don't know which one first. But essentially, God, or if you, I think if you say it in Norwegian, like God Yule, right, means have a good Christmas. 
still that original God word uh, was derived into good. Okay, so it is. It has been used throughout the ages as meaning the same thing: God and good. So the very first people we meet in the Bible have an issue with it already. Because somewhere deep down in the human spirit, there is a something that doesn't quite believe that God is good. All right? Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1 through 6. Please. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is midst the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the eye of that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall as ye shall be as God's knowing good. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make them wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. Okay. So you know the story, it's very familiar. And what does the serpent appeal to? Think about it. What, what does he appeal to? Something makes Eve say, maybe I'll try that fruit. Was it that it looked good? Well, it said it did look good, and that was an added thing. Sure Okay, and there's a little bit more. There's something else missing. Something that she is thinking in her mind that gets her to kind of jump over the hurdle. So, so what doesn't she think about God? What is she struggling with? God gave them a rule, right? Don't eat from that tree. Because why? No, there's a, there's a reason. In the day you do it, you are going to die. Surely die. So why she eat? Doesn't she love God? So, if she loves him and trusts him, why does she do it? Some old snake comes along and says, Oh, yeah, no problem, I'll take it. She saw it every day. She saw the beauty every day. What does the snake... What does the snake say that clicks something in her mind? Something to be thought about this. There's something that she doesn't trust about God. And it, it doesn't say exactly what it is, but if you follow it through, 
it's clear. She doesn't trust something. What did God tell her? Don't eat it. You're going to die. And what does the serpent say? You're not going to die. What else does he say? You can read it too. <laughs> it's okay. Follow <laughs> it. I'm not like. Your eyes will be open. Knowing good and evil. Okay, you're going to know good and evil. You'll be as good as God's. Okay, you're going to be just like God's. So she, he, he is, he is appealing, saying. No, you you can have a better life. Right? God gave you this life with this restriction on it. But you can have a better life. And so what does she have to believe in order to take that fruit? Or... Okay, you're getting, so we're getting closer, right? She really has to believe that God is not giving her all the good he can. Right? He's holding something back. She doesn't trust that he's really good, for that moment at least. And yet she has lived in paradise. Everything perfect. Okay? She has had the full attention of the only other human being that exists, okay? And she has a complete, close relationship with God. Been given everything. Just there's food on the ground. There's, you go walk along, there's berries, there's whatever as you go. And there's plenty. And it's no thorns and no thistles and no nasty things, no work. Just sort of go along, and you're not going to work hard. You're just going to sort of live. Which sounds great, right? But Satan got her to say, well, maybe God isn't really being as good to me as he can. Maybe he really isn't good. Maybe this whole tree thing is just him holding out on me. Maybe there could be something a little better. Maybe God's intention isn't quite good with that. And yet she's had everything, right? Everything has been good and perfect in her life. And she's told one thing she can't do. And that one thing is what Satan says, I just don't think he really is thinking of you. If he was thinking of the best for you, he'd tell you to eat of that tree. Because you're going to have power and understanding and you're going to be just like him. Did she get understanding? It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Did she understand it? Yes, she did. Did she wish she hadn't? For the rest of her life. Because God really did know what was good. And he really did say... Don't eat that. I'm, I'm saving you from that. Right? That does not have the end that you think it does. Yeah, it will give you knowledge. 
but it won't give you the knowledge you want. You are going to know all about sin because you will experience it and separation from God. And that day inside a piece of you will die. Your spirit shrivels up that day because you can no longer be connected to me because you have chosen sin. Now, did God have a good intention for her? Absolutely. And she just couldn't believe it. I say that because many times, and when we go down and look into what goodness really is, and when I say God is good, I want you to understand it doesn't mean that God just showers you, you know, it doesn't rain starburst everywhere all the time, okay? It does rain, <laughs> but he, he showers us with gifts, but it doesn't mean we will never see anything as, oh, that's not so nice. Goodness is virtue, okay? It's a positive virtue. It means we have really great things in our life and that God means good things towards us, right? But it's not always appearing that way on our side. To Eve, that restriction seemed like it was not God being good, but it was God withholding. So when we see things in this life, and we will, big questions that lots of people ask, why do people get sick? Why do babies get sick? Why do babies die? You have to go back to something very deep, which says that the character of God is good, regardless of the way that life's circumstances look. All right? So that's something else to note. This is the character of God. Goodness is the character of God. Self-control, gentleness, faithfulness, patience, love, joy, peace, kindness, okay? Those are the characteristics of God. And all of God's characteristics are all good and all simultaneous. And they never change. Totally different than humans. God is always perfectly patient, and yet, he is always perfectly good, and yet, he is always perfectly gentle, okay? But we see actions from God that look like, why is he, why is he punishing that person, or doing that? We're going to look at some of them and say, why did he do it? What's so good about that? Right. We need to look at a couple of those to say, what is this about? So, going back to that, God knew, God knew about the tree. And he said, for that tree, if I let you eat it, that means it will allow rebellion and through sin, okay, and... It will allow destruction and sorrow and a whole list of things into the family of 
humankind at the time, none of which lines up with his qualities, his characteristics. So if I allow you to do that, you don't understand what will come your way. All right? Now, like the candy, all right, if I happen to put a poison one in there or maybe just let one slip in, maybe I didn't do it, somebody else did it, but I thought, yeah, maybe that one looks like it's poison, but it's fine, you can eat it, right? That's not very good of me to do that, is it? <laughs> it was good of me to bring candy. It's not so good of me to let one in that could hurt you. And that's the very same thing as God looks, and you all said, no, nah, that would not be nice of you to do that, right? Not good. When God holds something back that appears good to us, like a piece of candy that looked good, right? Then we say, well, how, how can he withhold that from us? And yet, oftentimes it comes from us misunderstanding the situation, the bigger picture. All right, so let's go to Exodus chapter number 34. Exodus chapter 34, verse number 6. We're going to read that. Just in case if anybody didn't know what it says, we're going to believe it. Go on, please. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, and upon the children's children, unto the third and to the fourth generation. Okay, hold it for now. Hold it for now. So, God is good, is what it says. And he's what else? It said it in that first verse, verse 6. He is... You'll have to read it. Merciful and gracious, gracious and long-suffering and, and truth. Okay, we got the goodness part, which is good, but truth as well. So God is truth, abundant in goodness, all right? So he is all of these things at once. So why does hell exist? And bigger yet, if God is good, why are some people going to end up in hell? He said he's good, right? That's what the Bible said. He's goodness. Well, what does it say in the next verse? You read that next verse. Two things in that verse. It's interesting. Like two situations, they kind of melt together. Okay, so, so, okay, there are people that are guilty. And then, what does it talk about in the beginning? Mercy for Okay, and then there are, there are people that have mercy on them. What does mercy mean? If you are sentenced to death, to death and I give you mercy, what do you do? 
Okay, something you don't deserve, okay? So it is, I don't deserve this. We also look at this as forgiven. Not forgiven, forgiven. Okay, forgiven. So there are two categories in that verse. One, where the mercy comes for thousands, it says. Thousands of people get this. Mercy means they're forgiven. And yet, it says, the guilty will not what? Be cleared. They'll not be cleared. So it creates this separation between two groups of people. A group that is considered guilty and a group that is considered forgiven. These are, these are also guilty people, but they're not held to the same standard. They are not held to be guilty. So how can God be good if he's holding people to two different standards? The guilty people are what? It says that it's, it's forced on to what? Children. children. And the children's children, right? Passed down. Because hmm. that's a hard verse. People struggle with that verse a little bit. And here we are, because I like to grapple with those things. I don't like to just pass over them and say, eh, that's nice. I like to think about it. If there are two groups and God forgives one and does not forgive another, how can he be good? Well, it's hard to reconcile that in your mind until you understand this. That God is all characteristics all the time. Goodness means that you are doing what is right. You are admirable. Admirable. To, to be admired. You are attractive. That means, okay, that you are doing some people like when you do good things. And you are praiseworthy. Those are all good things. When you have goodness, people admire you, and they are attracted to you, because they say, oh, you got me candy, I like you, right? Because it was a good thing. And people say, wow, that was really a, a good way to handle it. I like that, that being praiseworthy, okay? Something that, is, that God is, is that he is righteous. And that is part of being good, right? Goodness means that you choose what's right. Regardless of the situation or the circumstance, you choose the right thing. So God sees the human race and he says, I am righteous. I cannot allow this sin, this rebellion, and this destruction to go on. Alright? That's his righteous part. 
So what does he need to do to it? Punish it? Kill it? Destroy it? Get rid of it? What does he need to do to the guilty? He needs to get rid of sin. He can't let it grow. Okay? He cannot let it keep going. And this is a, this is a hard concept to think about. But yet, all that time, he is good. And he is kind. And he is patient. And he is loving. And he is gentle. All the time. You and I struggle with something. We look and we say, when I want, when somebody does something to me, we'll say this. When I was in probably 10th grade, somebody stole my wallet out of my back pocket in high school. Okay? And they found it a couple of weeks later, all the money was gone, and a few things are gone out of it. So I could have, and I did find out who it was. Somebody told me later who it was. What was the right thing for me to do? <laughs> Abby says, pound him, right? <laughs> That's the way I felt, right? Is that a good thing to do? Why isn't it, though? There's something different about us and God. God is a God that says, I will repay. It says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. That is talking about God. Why can God have revenge and not us? What's the difference? Okay, that yes, we sin and he doesn't. So what is our revenge thinking? What am I thinking when I want to pound him? You took my wallet. <laughs> you took my wallet. I'm going to get even with you. Am I thinking kindness, no. gentleness, not as I'm pounding his face <laughs> in, right? Or peace or joy, <laughs> right? <laughs> my joy after he got pounded his face in, right? Or self-control, right? I'm not thinking any of those things. Because I've set those all aside for my revenge. Because my revenge is eating me alive till I'm going to take him out. Okay? But, what is God doing? He never lost any of these qualities. Even as he repays for something that has done evil, he never lost his goodness, his faithfulness, his kindness, even towards those people. We would not quite have that when we approach somebody and said, don't worry, God, I'll take care of it for him. I'll help him remember never to steal my wallet again. And God, <laughs> But God is thinking, right, I got this, right? And God is thinking, no, no, no. I know what he's thinking. 
I know what he's about. I know what his family's been through. I know what he's been through. And I know what I've told him. And I know his thoughts. And so God can approach every human in a very different way than we can. We have a tiny little picture. And we say, I'm going to make this right. Because he stole from me. I don't care about him. I care about me in that situation. That's why I'm doing it. But God is caring about him and caring about the others in the situation. Okay? So, God is constantly good at the same time. So, here he is. He's righteous. And then he's good. And we say, well, I like the mercy part. That's a way better part. So, God came up with this plan, which you guys all know. His perfect plan to hold his goodness and keep his righteousness completely intact at all times were to offer himself, his only son, which is an act of love and sacrifice and self-control and kindness and peace and joy. And as he offers his son to the earth, what does the angel say? To the... To, what? What? Peace on earth. Oh, yeah. Goodwill. Goodwill towards men, right? Because my plan is totally within my realm of who I am. My goodness. And my righteousness. Because I am... This is what I have to do in the end. I have to set sin right. But I love these people. And so I will send my only son to have mercy on them, to give them the chance to come to me. I'll make it as easy as I can for them. All they have to do is believe. They just have to ask to be forgiven. That's all. And I will hound them so that they understand what it means. I will help them to see what is a much deeper love than anything they've ever seen. And at that day, the separation came. Whosoever will may come. But I will not force you, because I am good. But I will not tolerate the sin, because I am righteous. I love, I'm good, I'm kind. I will give you every opportunity, an entire life, to just ask forgiveness, to just believe. That's how good God is. And yet, he holds his righteousness intact. Just like when he repays with vengeance, he holds his goodness intact and his kindness he holds those all intact. We throw one aside to get our purpose done and then say, I'll pick that one up later when I'm feeling good about it, okay? <laughs> Not feeling too good today. I'm going to get my vengeance part all done and then I'll go back and act nice and sweet and kind, okay? That's not the way God works. God is constant in his actions. And as you become person with the spirit of God inside of you and as you yield to him 
you see that goodness is a more important part than vengeance. Because these are the things that God wants to grow in you. These are the good pieces of God to have in you. All right? And if you perfectly could have faithfulness and gentleness and all these sort of things all at the same time like God does, first of all, you'd be God. But second of all, then you could have revenge because you would not be thinking about yourself. You'd be thinking about that other person. All right? Different way to look at life. And that's how God does it. He approaches it differently. And so we look and we see things. Let's go to Numbers. Here's a crazy thing that happened. Numbers, chapter number 16. Verse number 28. This is crazy. Moses and Aaron are leading this group of Israel, okay? And Levi, the tribe of Levi, had a job. And what did they have a job for? What did they do? Anybody know? Twelfth tribe of Israel. They were to work as workers in the temple, okay? In the tabernacle, the, the, the big worship tent at the time. And what did they work with? Sacrifices, right? Oftentimes, they killed and burned and did fires and they did incense and they did other things. Aaron was of the high priests. Aaron's line, now that was Moses' brother. Aaron's job was to intercede for the people. Moses was a man with a very special relationship to God. You remember, he went up on the mountain and he got the Ten Commandments and God was with him for 40 days. When he came back, he shone so bright, his face, that he wore a veil for the rest of his life because his face was bright from being in God's presence for 40 days. Okay? Very unusual relationship with people, with, with God and with the people. And he led all of Israel. Aaron, his brother, was given the task to go in and sacrifice, specifically uh, intercede for the people, pray for the people, stand between God and them, okay? And say, please God, have mercy on these people. Now, Levi, the tribe of Levi, had a bunch of different branches. Okay? They would have all these different uh, men over the generations that were born there. And there was a particular group of men called the sons of Korah. So Korah was a guy. And they got a little tired of their job, which was just hard work. If you've ever slaughtered an animal, uh, it's just a lot of work. And the bigger the animal the more work. It's bloody and sticky and really messy after a time. And that's what they did day in and day out for years. It was a lot of work. They were killing cows, whole cows. Not one, sometimes maybe a hundred. So it was literally like a slaughterhouse sometimes. Just hard work. And they muscled everything up and took it 
put stuff on the on the altar of incense and burn things and okay it was just work they didn't like their job and there's old Aaron walking around not working with us who's he think he is anyways that's the way Korah and his sons were feeling all right and then they saw Moses all shiny and bright standing around telling people what to do Who's he think he is? Doesn't God talk to all of us? And this is the way that Korah was thinking. And his sons, a whole group of them, hundreds of them, whole big family tribe. And they came to Moses and challenged him and said, Who do you think you are? You get up there and stand in front of everybody and tell them what to do. We're just as good as anybody else. God talks to us too. So Moses prays about it and says, Aaron has gotten his burning incense. He takes it. You guys bring incense and burn it tomorrow. And if God does something, We'll see who God chooses. Fine. We'll do it. Numbers, chapter number 16, verse 28 through 33, as we read the story. Moses said, Hereby ye shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own mind. If these men die, then come, come in death of all men. Or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the, the Lord have not sent me. But if the Lord make a new sin, and the earth open her mouth, and swallow them up with all that appertain unto them, and they go down great into the pit, then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. Okay, before we go on. If these men die like normal deaths, like the way of all men. In other words, if they die of old age, then you'll know, Moses, I, I was a fake. Moses says, then I, I'm not getting this stuff from God. But if tomorrow the earth opens up its mouth and, and swallows these guys up, then you'll know that God chose me. Keep going. Verse 31, I think we're at. Okay, so here's the story, right? If God opens up the earth, swallows these guys up whole. God doesn't just open up and drop a group of men in. It says it dropped all their houses in, too. All around their houses, gone. People, gone. And the men who said, yeah, we can burn incense just like that. Aaron can do it. God 
set special fire down and burned them all up. They were gone. So where's God's goodness? <coughs> Thought God was good. Swallowing them up in the earth and burning them to death? How's that good? <laughs> Any ideas? How can that be good? He just burned 250 men to death. Okay, so if, if God works that way, anytime you doubt, or you just, no. boom, you're gone. No. What is God doing? How is it like the candy? <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. If I knew that there was something in there that was going to kill, hurt, destroy somebody, and I left it in that bag and gave you all the candy and said, Good luck. Was that loving? Was that kind? Was that good? You all said, no way. Right? That wasn't nice at all of you. <laughs> but when God does something that looks a little more extreme, okay, we say, well, that looks mean. Maybe not. What did the sons of Korah do? And what, if he would have left it, would have happened? Think about Eve. What did one little piece of fruit do and bring for her? How much sin and sorrow and destruction and oceans of tears that she wishes she would have never done it. And all human race wishes she would have never done it. Okay? The sons of Korah brought in rebellion to that group. And rebellion breeds more rebellion. You don't believe it? Look at some of the cities in our, our country today. Okay? You'll see rebellion. That's all it is. I want to do what I want to do, and I don't care what anybody tells me. And I don't want authority, and I don't want anybody to tell me no. That's all it is, is rebellion, right? It's the same thing that has plagued humankind from the very beginning. It's no different. We're no better than we once were. Okay? The sons of Korah were going to bring destruction. Those 250 men or how many ever were part of that. We're going to bring destruction to that 2 million people that were in the group of Israel. They were going to destroy it. And God knew it. It was like leaving that piece of poison candy in the middle of the table and saying, eh, let's see what happens. God knows what happens, right? It's going to destroy you. It's going to get you. So I'm going to stop it. All right. And God is good because he has been holding back evil for many, many generations. He has been squeezing it down and pushing it down and cutting it off 
and holding it back so that you and I could live a life that was not torturous. But as the very, very end of time comes, God begins to release that and allow evil to run its course. Because that will bring us to the end times as we come to the very, very end. So God's goodness holds it back to bring every person to salvation that he can. Every person to this plan, this mercy. He would not that any would perish, he said. But that all should come to salvation. He wouldn't that anybody would be there. But he's not going to force anybody. He will never force them. Too much of a gentleman to force anybody to do anything. He's going to draw you and ask you and woo you and love you and give you peace and everything he can or take away peace in your life until you come to him. He's going to try anything he can. But he's never going to force you. Because he wants you to turn and say, Okay, God, I will. I will yield to you. Right? He knew the sons of Korah were not going to yield. He knew, and he had no doubt then giving them opportunity and working in their lives and giving them chances for mercy. But he also knew if he left it there, what it would be. And so the good part of God says... I cannot let it go. God is good always. And so, what does that bring us to? Well, that brings us to the very last thing. Uh, we won't turn there, but Psalm 23, 6. Everybody knows, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? You get to the very, very last verse, and it says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because God wants good for you in your life. He wants to give you good. He even gives people that are evil good things in in their life. So that they might turn. So that they might come to you. He made creation. He laid it all out and he looked at it and he said what? This is good. And when he finished on the seventh day of creation, he said this is very good. This is all meant, our whole environment is meant for us to see that God had good things and he lavished good gifts on us. Rained upon the just and the unjust. Things that happen for us. So, all of my life, God does not cease to be good. Even when I don't feel like something is good in my life. When I don't feel like a circumstance is good. So as we bring God into our life and allow God to change us, then what are we going to get out of it? Well, we want to allow goodness to come out of us. Right? Goodness in where we say righteousness is a good thing. I'm going to do good for people even when they don't deserve it. I'm going to look to be good, to be a standard. I'm going to look to be admirable with other people. I'm going to look to be attractive to other people, okay, in that my qualities, my personal characteristics are good. I'm going to look to be praiseworthy in that people look and say, man, he always does the right thing. She really makes good choices in her life. 
She's always helping that person. She's always being kind to that person. He's always treating that person well. All right? Goodness is a quality of God that we want in our lives consistently. So we make a choice. We lavish gifts on other people because we're good, because God does it for us. And we yield. And it takes a little from us to do it. It takes energy and effort. And we have to yield that to allow God to do the work through us. All right? Being virtuous, being morally right, God made nature and said it's good, it's beneficial, and it's nourishing for us. Right? You go out into nature, how do we get all of our food? From nature. I don't care if it's a chemical thing that they put together in the ding-dongs or whatever, right? They got it all from nature. <laughs> Might not be great things to eat, right? But even Starburst all comes from nature. All parts and pieces. They don't make it look very natural, but the same thing with all fruits and vegetables and meats and things like that, all coming from what God gave to us, his good gifts to us, and that should nourish other people. We should do the same with our goodness in our life is to nourish other people. They come to us because we know they have, that we have their interest at heart. That's what being good as a Christian means for us. We have their interest at heart. Way back when, Eve said, I don't really think God had my best interest. And she was wrong, dead wrong. Because God always has your best interest at heart, my best interest at heart. And so... We need to do all we can to yield to God and say, let's have this other person's best interest at heart. That's how we are good as Christians. And that's what we want to be, is nourishing and beneficial for others. And that's what goodness is. Thank you very much. Have a good evening.